voted best condiment of 2019, we are the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. How's everybody doing? Wait, we beat ketchup? I know, right? Suck it, Heinz. You gotta be careful. I wouldn't say that's Mr. Craft. <laughs> <laughs> they got some powerful friends. Yeah, he really does. All right. Um, so here we are in the Blue Gardens of Talil. Uh, Teoblith had himself uh, quite a dramatic death, which I think is exactly how he would have wanted to go out, being <laughs> as dramatic as possible. And immediately you guys were besieged by more werewoods. Uh, it was a harrowing little skirmish, but, uh, well, the, the mage is still at large somewhere, because he dimension doored away, but took out the other two uh, melee werewoods. But yeah, that uh, that leaves you guys in the Blue Gardens of Talil. Our genus ain't looking too good. Thalias is also uh, worse for wear. Uh, Uhtred, as always, has uh, is in the best shape, but he's even he is taking a couple hits uh, during all of this. Uh, and yeah, you guys are again you know, just standing in the quiet halls of the underlevel of the Blue Gardens of Talil. But before we continue with that, we're going to have a little flashback. Ooh. A glowering skull fills our vision. The final witness, the herald of the end. The ever-patient moon over Phrasma's boneyard, Grotus. Our vision pulls back, and the misty air shines in Grotus's light. A fiendish shriek pulls our attention away, and we turn to see the dead streets of the Ghost of Vigil, stained a grayish silver in patches, the same color as the glassy smoke that still pools around several slain petitioners, the lost souls of the former Lastwall capital. A ten-foot-tall creature with red leathery skin, black feathered wings, and a vulture head lands roughly on the cobbled street, followed closely by two more creatures, harrying it with dazzling long swords. The attacking creatures, beautiful winged elven women from the waist up, and scarlet scaled snakes from hip to tail, cry out with the force of their swings. The Vrock demon grabs one sword by the hilt, squeezing the Azeda's clenched hand. The other Zeta follows through, but just barely misses. The Vrock wrenches his arm to the side and knocks his grabbed Azeda into the other before letting go of the sword and launching back into the air. The two serpentine celestials recover quickly and take off after their quarry. We look again skyward, and beyond the demon and Azeda's, we can see several more aerial battles raging over the rooftops of Vigil. Skeletal, scythe-wielding psychopomps, Flame-wreathed, great-sword-wielding angels, and archons on metallic wings all clash with fiends of all horrible shapes and sizes, hungry for more souls to devour. Several creatures rush past us, and we see more outsiders locked in combat on the street level, exchanging blows and hurling each other through the crumbling walls of abandoned buildings. We cut several times, with brief glimpses of building interiors, all with windows looking out at the battle-infested city, and we see the few lost souls that remain, huddling together in their meager hiding places, still grappling with their terrible reality of denial at their own death, and very real fear of being torn apart by the monsters that invaded what they believe to be their benign home. The petitioners look out fearfully at the chaos of battle 
unaware of the intentions of the psychopomps and celestials, believing that whoever wins, they will be hunted anew. Finally, we find ourselves in a warehouse. Barrels and crates are stacked along the walls, and bundles of dyed fabrics rest on shelves and hang on clotheslines. The wall on one side is crumbled away, leaving an eye-level gap to look out through with moderate cover, and peering out into the city through the gap is Teoblith, still trapped in this madness. The muffled shouts, roars, and clangs of battle can still be heard all too well in this secluded respite. Though it's unclear how much relative time has passed since Teoblith was forced to separate from the other survivors and Umble and Thoot, his otherwise calm and calculating face betrays a telling weariness, a fatigue that can only be found after many days straight of constant alertness and minimal sleep. Suddenly, the constant klaxon of battle goes silent. We look around with Teoblith and see that nearly every skirmishing group of outsiders has stopped, all eyes turning to a nearly blindingly bright light floating above the city at the ruins of Watcher's Tor. The light seems to bob up and down slightly, as if held aloft by unseen wings. The light descends towards the city, and a nearby group of winged fiends rushes at it. As they close in, the light flares larger and brighter than ever for just a moment, and through the glare our eyes just manage to catch the fire-immune devils erupt in white-hot flames before falling down to the city streets, roasted and dead. Teoblith blinks his tired eyes in disbelief. Oh, what in the nine hells? A nearby group of angels raise their weapons in jubilation and call out in gracious greetings, welcoming the strange new enemy of their enemy to the battlefield. Their merriment is cut short, though, when the floating wreath of flames flares up again and a blinding column of fire rises up around them, sending screams of pain and terror across the city for a brief moment before the angels, too, plummet to the ground, dead. The allegiance of this strange, powerful new arrival is unclear, and the various combatants seem to set aside their previous engagements as they brace for whatever this blinding light will do next. For a hushed moment, the city is quiet. Then, the light darts toward a group of nearby psychopomps. They ready themselves, but a gout of shimmering flames blooms from the light, and the psychopomps are slain in the mythical fire. The light flies on, darting around the city, attacking outsiders indiscriminately. We cut again to the various lost souls watching this brutal purge, their faces lit up from the cleansing fires of this unknown smiter. One by one, the outsiders capable of doing so plane shift out of the boneyard, leaving this hopeless slaughter. Those who can't plane shift attempt to flee with flight, and those incapable of either retreat on foot though very few manage to escape the all-consuming flames. Finally, the city is silent once more, and the shining light returns again to float above the rooftops. Then, cheering can be heard. We look and see a single lost soul standing in a city square, clapping and hooting at the light. Within moments, he's joined by others, who make their way out of a nearby blacksmith, all hugging each other and leaping in the air, convinced that their savior had finally come to expel the monstrous invaders of Vigil. With a screeching roar, the light soars above the group of revelers, and with a blast of terrible flames, erases all traces of the poor souls. Several disembodied screams of panic cry out throughout the city from within their hiding places, and the light roars again, 
It slams into a nearby tower, sending flaming chunks of stone and brick crashing to the ground, along with a screaming petitioner who's crushed by the falling rubble. The light has already moved on to another building across town, engulfing the tavern in flames. It moves on again to another section of the city, and then another, and another, leaving a wake of flames and destruction in its path. Sometimes its carnage uncovers more lost souls to burn, and sometimes it merely obliterates another empty inn. We return to Teoblith, who watches still, his face gripped in a mixture of horror, fascination, and envy. The sound of destruction pours in through the damaged wall, and the accompanying red and white flashes send sharp shadows, stretching the length of the room and highlighting the faded colors of the dyed fabrics. Teoblith watches the rampaging light dart from quadrant to quadrant, tearing a seemingly random path through Vigil. My gods, it's here for everything. Good and evil, living and not. It's removing this place from the boneyard. He steps back from the wall. Uh, oh crap, that means me too. With the buildings themselves now targets, Teoblith was no longer safe in his hiding place. He looks around and eyes a large metal grate the entrance to the warehouse's cellar, or perhaps the city's sewer system, a fallback he had intended to use only if needed. That need seemed to be here now. With some effort, he hefts the heavy grate to the side. With one final grimace, he hops down into the damp tunnel below, with no time to spare. As he lands, the world above him ignites with a dazzling explosion. The warehouse is swept away in a concussive blast like a hurricane of fire, and the hole in the floor is now exposed to the eternal twilight sky of the boneyard. A radiant glow creates a spotlight through the hole, shining down on Teoblith. He looks up, and we see its source, the blinding light. It floats just above the ground, and at this close distance, we can see its true form. A massive, winged serpent with iridescent scales that glimmer like opals in the white-hot flames that dance along its feathery wings. As if an inferno raged beneath its very flesh, nothing but flames can be seen where its eyes and fanged maw should be. The serpent hangs in the air, supported by idle flaps of its wings, and it looks down through the hole at Teoblith. The elf looks up, back at the serpent, half-crouched after landing, and for a moment they do nothing but stare. It's unclear who makes the first move. Teoblith springs out of his crouch, sprinting for his life down this unknown tunnel, just as the serpent pounces, its coiled body springing into motion, and its immolated fangs chomping down in the spot where Teoblith had been only a moment earlier. Teoblith reaches an intersection and takes a frantic right turn as the ceiling around the hole crumbles, forced apart by the serpent's bulk as it barrels through in pursuit. The subterranean tunnel comes to life as the serpent's brilliant glow bounces off the closed spaces. Teoblith reaches a closed door and barges through just as the serpent rounds the previous corner. He races downstairs, across rubble, over sewage troughs, left turn, right turn, right again, all with the burning serpent hot on his heels. Gouts of deadly fire miss him by inches, leaving painful burns on his arm and neck. One dead end, one unlucky turn, and it would be over. The sewers shake with the screeching roar of the winged serpent. Each near miss from its devastating fire blast threatens to collapse the tunnels themselves. After one such blast skims just over Teoblith's hair, the ceiling above him breaks apart. He has to dive to avoid the falling stone and earth. He lands ungracefully, knowing this is the moment he dies. 
But instead, the serpent is cut off from its chase as the falling rocks fill the tunnel between them. The serpent's muffled roars continue to shake around him. Batiboth lays sprawled on the ground, panting and alive. His rest is short-lived, though, as the collapse triggers a second one, and the floor beneath him gives way. Tiboth falls backwards for a moment before hitting the ground again, in a new tunnel. He lands with a roll and slams through a crumbling wall, tumbling down again, and finally comes to a rest at the bottom of a long set of subterranean stairs, where he lays still, clinging to consciousness. It's unclear how long he lays there, getting his bearings back. Finally, he stirs and climbs to his feet. He looks up the stairs, but only darkness awaits up at the limits of his vision. With a shiver, he turns the other way, and we see a portal, a window in space, silently hanging in the air at the end of the corridor. Only inky blackness can be seen on the other side, but Teoboth approaches, nearly hypnotized by its strangeness. As he gets closer, we can see his misty breath as the temperature grows colder, though this seems beyond the elf's notice. He looks the portal up and down, as if searching for information. His search is cut short as the stairs and corridor behind him light up with the unmistakable glow of the winged serpent. The walls shake as it roars, its quarry once again within sight. Teoboth sees no other options. As the serpent reaches the bottom of the stairs, he rushes through the portal. A ray of fire shoots through the air, but the portal winks shut, and the ray strikes the wall beyond, and the serpent roars anew in frustrated defeat. We join Teoboth beyond the veil. All is darkness. All is cold. Teoboth convulses as his body shakes in the strength-sapping freeze. This coldness will kill a man in a mere minute. Desperate for a way out of this freezing place, Teoboth casts a light spell, and a skeletal figure becomes visible, its bones encased in a frozen shell of ice, inches from the shivering elf. The face away from us, but turns as if startled by the sudden light source. The stone room is small, with only a writing desk and a chair sitting in the corner. The skeleton considers Teoboth for a moment. Fascinating. It appears to be an inevitable byproduct of the radiant fire. I should inform Master of this. Yes, yes, I should. Oh, but he will be so angry. Yes, he will. I will tell him, yes. Eventually, I will. Teoboth, beyond the ability to communicate or fight, collapses to his knees. No exit can be seen from this place. The skeleton, having seemingly forgotten about the dying elf, looks down at him. In the meantime, I should keep all of the anomalies in one place. Better to monitor them. You keep warm now. Blackness. Teoboth awakens with a start. Daylight pours in through the window, and a breeze rattles a wind chime. He looks around and sees Vigil, the real Vigil, from within a small bedroom. Though it's the real Vigil, it's the real Vigil after being destroyed by the radiant fire. As he looks down at the ruined streets, he can see undead of all stripes shuffling through the streets. Teboth looks down at himself, likely trying to piece together how he got here. He squeezes his hands into fists, satisfied at least with his own existence, even if he doesn't yet understand how he still has it. He looks out the window again, and instead of Grotus, we see the sun shining down on this twisted city. It's still a nightmare, but at least he was awake. And that brings us back into the basement of the Blue Gardens of Talil. And I'm still dead. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we just ended that combat. Uh, what's everybody doing? I wish I had healing spells. When do we get to go home and rest? 
Before we do that, I'd like to um, see if there was anything on Tiablith, Barnu, C7, C8. I'm a little worried about the mage coming back. Yeah. I think Tiablith famously had no gear. That was like his thing. Uh, in fact, if you guys head over to Discord in the recording chat, I posted a list of, e- of Tiablith's gear. Uh, thank you. That was very kind. I'm pretty sure there's at least an ion stone in there I want. There, I do not have an ion stone. Really? I think I might have had one at one point, but I like sold it to upgrade to something else. You've got your ion stone that Mariana gave you, that gave you... Uh... Endure Elements. Endure Elements, yeah. That's true. I forgot to list that because it just seems... What's a Zorn robe? That's the uh, the robe. I think you and I were the only two that that rolled for it. It gives you like a perception check bonus and lets you like move through walls limited number of times per day. All right. Uh, I will also go over the loot. Uh, so first of all, the uh, the Werewoods, uh, they each have a plus two agile breastplate, a plus two heavy steel shield, a plus two short spear. Masterwork Heavy Crossbow with 15 bolts and 5 plus 1 bolts, a belt of plus 2 strength, a cloak of resistance plus 2, and a ring of protection plus 1. Not a bad appetizer. (laughs) I swear these fucking goggles better be on this table in C8. The goggles were in her office. I don't know if this was her office or not. You're telling me we didn't have to fight the boss of this place to get the key item? I mean, we were supposed to deal with him anyway. But no, well, like, I mean, in order to find Marina's stuff, no, we didn't need to fight him. Unless he has her notes down here. They're not in the library where she said they might be. It's kind of what I was hoping, like this little table here. Yeah. So on Umbarno, uh, you find a plus four Turbucci, which is that like spiked club. Uh, you also find a potion of displacement, a potion of spider climb, a scroll of slay living. You find a magical breastplate that is actually just masterwork, but he has cast uh, magic vestments on it to give it an enhancement bonus, but that's only temporary. You find... Oh, the Terbuchi is also masterwork. Uh, He cast greater magic weapon on it. An amulet of natural armor plus three, a belt of plus two strength and con, cloak of resistance plus two, Headband of Wisdom plus four, a magical mirror hanging from his hip. He also has one of those Talil masks, though that was also, like, not being worn. Yes, and he has magical boots and 375 gold pieces. Do you want us to roll for the mirror and, uh, I guess we have to now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you used to have a guy for Back that, to but... That. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what if I go place it in his hand, dead hand? <laughs> uh, Spellcrafts, right? It's been a while since we've had to do these. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a 30 and a 34 from Uhtred. Don't worry, Thelias's got this. 16 and a 24 for uh, Arginus. 13 and 16. I don't even want to bother trying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Uhtred identifies both. The mirror is a mirror of guarding reflections. Reflections visible in this palm-sized hand mirror always seem ghostly and insubstantial. When a creature holding the mirror is targeted by an attack, uh, 
I could have remembered to do this, but I didn't. Uh, he can spend an immediate action to summon his reflection from the glass to interpose itself between him and the blow. The reflection functions as an image produced by the spell Mirror Images. If the image is struck by the attack, it shatters with a resounding crash. That's pretty sick. The creature that destroyed the image is subject to bad luck. The next time it makes an attack roll or saving throw, it must roll twice and take the worst result. If the attack does not strike the image, the image fades away at the start of the mirror bearer's next turn. The mirror can be used three times per day. So yeah, it's just an extra uh, mirror image. Uh, I, I will say, though, that it would not stack with a an active mirror image spell. That makes sense. The boots you identify as verdant boots. The wearer of these boots can, on command, three times per day, cause her current square to sprout a thick canopy of fruit-bearing or otherwise edible plants. These plants count as difficult terrain and grant cover to any medium or smaller creature within the square. They also provide enough food to sustain two medium creatures for one full day. While the plants can grow on surfaces that would not normally support vegetation, such as a wooden floor or cave or uh, cave stone, they cannot sprout on surfaces explicitly hostile to vegetation. The plants are usually of a sort common to the terrain or climate in the area in which they were produced. They disappear after 24 hours or when completely harvested, whichever comes first. I say that we uh, we keep that inside the uh, haversack or something. Yeah, those are those seem like they could be handy. Yeah. Well, if you had a ranged character, it'd be pretty sweet to just be like, oh no, I'm in difficult terrain with cover now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a standard action to activate. Just uh, FYI. But yes, that is yeah. a, a good defensive uh, tactic. Um, and then let's see. Yeah, so this area, C7, is where the fight started. Uh, and it's like that network core. It's like the, the arcane focus of the power being generated by this laboratory. The plants in here like hum and glow with a, a latent power. Uh, this room up the short hallway to the north... A long table lines the eastern and western walls of this laboratory. Shelves line the northern wall, each filled with arcane and scientific equipment. Small planters sit on the lower shelves, though the planters currently hold no plants and are filled only with soil. The hallway extends south from the room, where you came from. And you don't detect any magical ores in this room, and yeah, you're not finding any... No goggles, no notes on the veins of creation. Well, that's disappointing. Same thing on Umbarno's desk. There's just nothing up there, really. Nothing like for us to be interested in. It doesn't appear so. I mean, you can take a few minutes to to look through the contents on the shelves, on the table. But it looks like maybe this was a room for like making notes on experiments that would have been taking place in the... Uh, the arcane nexus down south but otherwise yeah it doesn't seem like a like a storage room or an office or anything well i think we're all in agreement that we uh could really use a rest up right uh yeah i mean i'm plenty restful so yeah <laughs> eternally restful <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm on board with before we go doing more exploring exploring maybe having our genius cast his Structure spell. Oh, yeah. With the nice cozy fire. Yep. And tea. There's always tea. Because I know, like, like Uhtred's not terrible health-wise, but, like, I am spent on 
like all my spells, which I guess I could if we want to keep pushing forward. I could start popping off some pearls. Yeah, but I th- I think Thalias uh, is pretty well spent. Yeah, I'm and, sure our genus is. And our yeah. genus has like no health. He's probably got spells left, but like no health. Uh, I don't have any. I don't have a lot of heavy hitters. Hitter spells left. Yeah, they were just saying, do you have uh, your that mage's sanctum thing? Oh, your safe space. Yeah, I have. Uh, actually, that's probably the one set of spells that I have left. I'm gonna put in the recording chat the items on Teoblith that Uchi would be interested in, and uh, bring to Joe's attention. In that list, there's boots of striding and springing, which could be maybe very useful for somebody with a slow movement speed. I'm not sure exactly what they do, but I think it's a move speed like plus five feet or something. Five feet's pretty good. If it's extra movement, it's probably more than that. So if those are the items that I'm interested in. If any of you are interested in them, we want to roll off for. Uh, baseland speed increases by 10 feet. It's considered an enhancement bonus, uh, which I think would not stack with, like, haste. Haste would still give you a higher bonus, but it wouldn't stack on top of it. But your walking around speed is now normal. Yeah. Joe can start charging at 60 feet. That's what I was kind of thinking. We should probably, someone should take the handy haversack. Which already has one, but... I'll take it. Okay. I've always wanted one. And I know you can buy them, but you know how I am. I'd rather wait for a friend to die. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Yes, on this list is my a wand of gravity bow that I never used. Because, like... Oh, my God. I underestimated how many standard actions it required to get the occultist kind of going in a combat. <laughs> so, like, just mm. spending another turn to cast Gravity Bow just never seemed worth it. What's the caster level on the wand? It's first, so it's a one-minute duration. So, like, it wasn't even something I could do to have ready for fights, you know? Yeah. Also, Joe, you should take that wand of lesser restoration with 37 oh, yeah, charges. Sure. We will most certainly be needing that. Yeah, be sure to channel the Hierophant in order to use it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'd, I'd still like that ability to have it once he does that as opposed to... Oh, for sure. He gets lost. Also, that ring of sustenance. I mean, Uchida has two rings, but... Tom, don't you have a lucky horseshoe and a four-leaf clover? Well, I mean, can you have enough of them? I mean, they are consumable per day, so I guess having multiple of them isn't the worst idea. Well, Tom, you want to roll off for the belt and the movable rod? Yeah, sure. Well, real quick, what do you have for uh for a belt? Plus four. Okay, I only have a plus two, so it's so it's a, it's a win no matter what. What if I uh what if I give you my plus four? Well, no, 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 no. We we making a roll off. Well, I'm just saying, as Matt once famously said, I am your defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll roll, I'll roll off for it if you if you really want. <laughs> yeah. Also, the decks. Plus six or plus four is a difference between plus one or two to uh, Arginus' yeah. ranged touch attacks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he made it easy on me. And I just barely oh sneak it out God. with a three. <laughs> awesome. And then, Tom, we need another quick roll off for the rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I sucked up the 19. <laughs> what? The you want to roll one more to die? No. <laughs> and then the uh, Lung of Erasne. 
Yeah. Does that mechanically do anything? Yes. I'm still going to take it regardless because I feel like Uhtred might be the most uh, connected to her. And he's not going to leave her living body part in this fucking terrible place. Fair. I mean, this is kind of her home. Yeah, but... Yeah, we're not leaving those lungs here. I Yeah, I'm just... I was mostly just joking. I know I wouldn't. I would imagine that uh, Teoblith never actually broke down uh, what this, what the lungs do. I don't think so. Mechanically, um, no. I don't think he ever did. Let me just... Matt didn't either. <laughs> That's true. The big thing was they they gave you uh, access to like the improved iron will feat, which allows you to like, re-roll a failed will save once a day. Yeah, which Teoblith probably could have done That's a cool. bunch of times to avoid getting panicked. Yeah, most like most recently in the, the first fucking fight that we did here. I would assume uh, that he can, uh, that Uhtred would have taken those anyway. Yeah, I'm not contending that the lungs? Yeah, nobody yeah, thinking... would take the lungs. I think that's a given. Uh, yeah, so whoever... Whoever holds uh, this bloodstone, uh, you would gain the improved iron will feat, uh, which doesn't give you iron will, so you don't get a plus two bonus on your will save, but once per day, you can re-roll a failed will save. There's some other stuff that isn't super synergistic with, I think, anybody really, um, but I will just keep it to myself for now, since it would require, at the very least, some trial and error to even realize that it's there and and or yeah some extensive study did tia blith ever really extensively study these things well he is an occultist and also yeah probably okay so i was gonna say eventually utrud will come across them in the notes that's possible because Uhtred will make his best attempt to deliver him, but he is going to fucking read that shit <laughs> inside out, upside down, left and right. Uh, in the meantime, uh, and we did kind of like stop focusing on it so much after just like a few days of Teoblith being in the group, but they are perpetually bleeding and require you to deal with that in some way. Teoblith had it like wrapped up in like some like bandages. bandages or cloth and he would just constantly either clean them with like water or prestidigitation whatever he did uh, yeah i think i used create yeah. water like it was part of like my nightly like bedtime routine was to use create water to wash the bandages and rewrap it yeah like basically if you just like stuck this thing in your backpack eventually you'd be walking around with a backpack full of blood that was just dripping everywhere mm-hmm. uh is our there any other roles or anything that we're waiting for? Uh, Joe needs to decide what he wants, other than the haversack. And maybe the boots? There's still a ring of sustenance out there. I don't know if the natural armor plus three is an upgrade for anyone. Oh, oh yeah, no, I'm taking the plus three. Um, no, I'm good. What was that one thing? The boots? There's the boots of striding to give you basically normal movement speed of. I'd be feet. interested in those. I'm you should get on the other stuff. You don't. Want, we're gonna give you the haversack. I don't oh think yeah, you have yeah. something. Yep. And neither of you have a ring slot open for that sustenance. Nope. Uh, no, I have a ring of protection plus two and a ring of force shield. So Joe, just know that your your movement speed is thirty feet. And if you were to be hasted, 
your movement speed would just increase to 50 feet, not 60 feet. Sweet. You both have... I'm sure you both have capes. Yeah, the cloaks of resistance. In real life or in the game? Probably both. Because yeah. I got you covered. Because <laughs> like, that was the thing that, that Teobleth had. Like, He was getting a resistance bonus from his class that was like at a plus four at this level. So like he didn't need a cloak of resistance, so that like freed up the shoulder slot to have a more, like a more varied item. Same thing, like he had, he has the belt of Dex plus six, but he was also getting strength plus six from his implements. So Nick, did you win the the immovable rod too? Yes. Okay, so you got the rod, the de- Dex plus six. Tom got your old belt of plus four, along with the amulet and the horseshoe and the clover. Okay. And I got the lungs. Yep, and the Zorn robe, because I don't think anyone challenged you for that. All right, so somebody mentioned something about our genus building a house. Our genus builds a house. All right. Yes. I guess it just occupies the nexus right here, because it's a, I think, a 20, 20 square foot area. Yeah, or, I mean... Should we go to just C4 and then just lock down the door? I mean, it'll lock down pretty well here, too, if it's making, like, walls and shit. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I guess the only access point would be C8, so I think we're all standing in C8, and then we just make it right there. Yeah, make, like, the only door this northern hallway to C8 so that these two hallways to the side are just (laughs) walled off. All right. We're doing watches? Yep. I'll take my last watch. Okay. I'll take my first watch. Actually, second watch. Elias. Do I have to? There's only three of you, so... If you want a a shift where nobody's keeping watch, then yeah, you don't have to. All right, fine. I'll take the last one. No, what? Uhtred's on last watch. <laughs> I bet the remaining one. Oh, okay. All right, so up first on watch is Elias. Give me perception. Okay, it's a 21. All right. You guys know um, when, uh, if you remember from Seinfeld, when Jerry spends the night in Kramer's apartment and it's just like, it's like glowing from the fucking neon sign across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's what this, uh, the inside of this house uh, is, is like right now because this room is just glowing so... Uh, Profusely, during your watch, Thalias, it's you just—it's just this constant like. <laughs> this hum of energy. I feel like after a little while, you probably stop hearing it altogether. Okay. It's a very uneventful watch. It's like you're just all—you're down here all by yourself, and perfect. Just ambient Say light, no ambient sound, and yeah, your your watch ends. All right, I wake up next in line and hit the hay, ready to get my healing spells back and be all fresh and ready for tomorrow. Okay, up next is Arginus. Arginus does his perception check. It's a 19. All right, Uh, same deal with Thalias, kind of. Just ambient humming, ambient glowing, but there doesn't seem to be anything else going on. Your watch ends uneventfully. All right. Uh, knocks on Thalias's door. What? Leave me alone. I'm sleeping. Uh, oh, sorry. Wrong, wrong, wrong door. Uh, 
knocks on uh, Uhtred's door. Well, Uhtred gets up and uh, off the cot and walks over to like by the door and keeps watch. All right, give me perception. 33 on a natural 20. Very nice. If there's anything out there, I see it. Well, you might hear it. Or smell it. I hope I don't you taste, taste it. it. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I guess, if anything, you might be a, a bit more bothered than the others by this constant hum and glow, just because you're so much more perceptive to it. But otherwise, uh, yeah, nothing really happens. It's towards the end of your watch, and contrary to what I just said, uh, something happens. You're uh, you're you're sitting there uh, at the front door, facing north. And behind you, to the right, at the southeast wall, you hear a knock. Hello? Uh, I assume it's like a solid stone wall. You're probably not going to be able to hear me through it. Uh, I think it's made of wood. Depends on how you would position... How much... What kind of area does this thing take up? A 20 by 20. Literally the space of the room. Yeah. Honestly, it's a, it's a super nice house. It, it's pretty sweet. I'm glad you took it. You conjure a steady, sturdy college cottage or lodge made of material that is common in the area where the spell is cast. Um, honestly, I feel like it would be made of like plant material. Yeah, it, it's like got like bark walls and uh, like fern shutters and stuff like that. All right, Jerry. All right, yeah. So like, kind of muffled through the wall, you just hear. Would I be correct in assuming you are the Phrasma 4? Oh my god. Dude, is that <laughs> actually catching on? <laughs> oh god. Our genus isn't up. <laughs> Our genus is still unconscious, but he starts quivering. <laughs> if I tell you we are, then will you promise never to refer to us as that again? <laughs> There's there's a bit of a pause before you hear an answer. He's like, "Very well. We are who you seek, but who are you? I assume, given how you referred to us, you are not native to the Blue Gardens of Tilil." The person speaking on the other side of this wall uh, is correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. Speaking in common. Yes, but yes. Um, he goes. Uh. Is there any way we could have this conversation face-to-face? Um, momentarily? I don't think so. The door to this is facing over here, and I don't think you can get to it. I will say that it's close enough to the end of your watch where if you were to wake up our genus, he would not be, like, fatigued or be unable to regain his spell slots or anything like that. One second. Uhtred goes over and kind of shakes our genus. Our, our genus. What? What? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Promise you don't freak out, okay? No, not freaking out. Oh. Not freaking out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen to me, our genus. I put like, my hands on his two shoulders. Do not get too excited that there is somebody outside... Who referred to us as the Phrasma 4? (laughs) (laughs) The most pain you've probably ever seen across Uhtred's face. 
Yes, somebody outside looking for the Phrasma Four. <laughs> oh, I knew Not it wasn't a dream. Not too excited, Arginus. <laughs> Arginus lifts off the spell instantaneously. Literally falls from his bed. God damn it! Also, Arasni <laughs> says she likes you. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't a dream. It was true. <laughs> Poor so, fucking Thelias. crashing from a cot level. To- Thelias is woken up, falling about two feet straight down to the floor. Don't, don't worry, Thelias. It's, it's all right. Our genius just got excited. Okay. Well, I'm up. I'll turn around to uh, lay eyes on our oddly timed guest. All right. Well, Matt, now's your chance to uh, describe this... Very welcoming-looking individual. <laughs> uh, yeah, you uh, standing in the hallway outside of what used to be the wall. You see a small-sized person standing there. He is most notably wearing wearing a mask that resembles it resembles a Wendigo skull, which is kind of like a uh, it's almost like a deer or an elk shape with with like small antlers on it um you can see some like tufts of like purple hair sticking out around the edges and like he's dressed in relatively nice nice looking clothing if a bit worse for wear it's not terribly far off from what you would probably have looked like when you came out of the boneyard the first time yeah and he's wearing like a uh, like a dark coat with the, the hood pulled up a bit and he's just kind of like staring staring at you um, beh- from behind this mask with eyes that are like almost glowing red and you can't help yourself but feel uneasy when he looks at you. You're not sure why. Also everybody uh, heal for resting. Yeah. Yes. How does that work? Again? It's just your hit dice. Um did we blow any cure spells before we went to bed? Because I don't think there you guys had to any blow. to blow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any healing hands left? I, I don't need so. any. Let me, let me Poor check. Team was yeah, exactly no, what I was missing. Let's give, I think I'm out of them, but I should check. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were out of healing. I had, I had one healing hands left. Couldn't I steal that uh, healing hands there? Oh, I used it on myself, so... Get in line. <laughs> and by line, I mean get to the back of the line. Your hit die is 14. Yeah. So there is a... What is he, like, three and a half foot tall, creepy looking motherfucker staring at you and causing causing you to feel uneasy and maybe even a little dizzy. Hey, it's like our genus. Our genus is going to get along real well with this guy. I just hope he has a good work ethic. <laughs> ah, there you are. The Phrasma 4, I was told. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> I, I won't refer to you as such again as per your request. But when I count three of you. Yes, now you understand my request. <laughs> Our genus is shaking with, like, absolute excitement. I'm sorry, stranger, but... You have us at a severe disadvantage. I'll ask again, who might you be? Ah, of course. Ah, my name is Valbar Fiddlestitch. Delias, like, kind of smirks. <laughs> Valbar's middle spitch. 
Whatever the fuck he just said. Freaking gnomes, they're adorable. It, like, Velbar turns to look at the Lias, and Lias, like, almost falls over. Like, what the fuck? Oh, okay. Noted. Noted. Um, just so you guys are aware, like, this guy, hit use of his hypnotic stare is, like, second nature. And at this point, he's got so many things on it. When he uses the stare on you, you get a minus three penalty to your will saves, reflex saves, uh, spell DCs, attack rolls, damage rolls. What? And a minus five to your move speed. <laughs> yep, I can't wait until Holy Mike's doing shit. that. That's a fucking swift action. Can't do anything about it. He can. He doesn't even have to see you to be able to do that. Well, Valmar, I have to say, I'm, I'm being honest. This isn't the most unusual place where I've had someone seek me out. That is an interesting fact. Oddly enough, though, this is not my first time seeing you that also doesn't surprise me as much as it probably should I confess I was hiding within Watcher Lord Ulthun's army at Renchurch where are you now so can I assume that the Watcher Lord and his army made it out or were you the only lucky one it seems your efforts did spare that army. They made it out of Renchurch just fine. At least we finally did something right. Yes. Well, things have taken a turn since then, but yes, you did right there. You want to see my shocked face? He gives His face makes like z- zero change. Valbar doesn't chuckle, but he does like tilt his head to the side slightly when he tur- as he turns his gaze back to you. Well... So what can we do for you, Valbar? Well, after certain unfortunate events, I found myself awakening here on this strange new continent. I was introduced to the woman known as Mirena in Yolispan, and she informed me of your presence and your location, so I set out forthwith to offer my assistance, such as it may be. Ooh, Thelias perks up now that uh, it sort of seems like you want to join us. Interesting. And why now would you do that? If my understanding is to be correct, you had some interaction with Arasni. Your assumption is accurate. You were assisting her in some capacity. Again, you are correct. My relationship with my queen goes back much further. Your queen? It is the greatest regret of my life thus far that I was unable to assist her in her battle with the tyrant. Since I could not do that... Avenging her shall be my lone cause in this second chance at life. You say Arasni was your queen. Was she your queen in her life or in her death? Again, he kind of tilts his head again, but to the other side. I assure you, I am not 900 years old. I only knew her as the Queen of Geb. What do my death goggles indicate when I'm looking at Valbar. He is not undead. Okay. Just check. I mean, she's the queen of the undead, so... 
and see that he's alive and uh, at death's door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's full health. Well, I guess revenge is as good as any reason. But I fear we should warn you. Usually the ones that stick around with us don't always make it out. Uhtred tilts his head to a dead elf body. Uh, Valbar, again, turns to look at the the elven corpse on the ground um, and is seems a little confused for a moment as to why the corpse is not responding to my gaze and then turns back to, to Uhtred. I have already died once <laughs> and I have lived most of my life around the unliving. Yeah, this guy, Thalias, he died once. Yeah, yeah. Thalias laughs and says, those are rookie numbers. I'm on three. Again, his gaze shifts back to Thalias. Like, yeah, Thalias gotta watch his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's scary. <laughs> three. That's an interesting number of times to die. There was the first time. We all died. And then I died again. And then, well, I didn't die, but my spirit guy died. It's actually his body I'm in. Randolph, he's a great guy. He comes every now and then. Uh, but then he died, so I came back. So, one, two, and I start counting and, you know, looking up, counting on my fingers. Belbar kind of like nods like, ah, a soul shifter. Yes, that that's what it is. That is more familiar to me. You said you've died once already. Indeed. May I pry into the means in which you died? Well, the means, I suspect, is similar to how you did. I died in the Radiant Fire. Which time? Well, I was was in a place known as Hammer Rock, I believe it is. What does Uhtred know? You guys can make uh, knowledge local checks or knowledge geography checks. Okay, I'm done with that. I've never heard of this place. Ooh, I got a, I got a 13 in geography. Natural oh, 20, 33. I am all-knowing. Uhtred had a 17 in knowledge local. So you can see that Hammer Rock is right over here to the east of Vigil uh, on the southern bank of the Path River. Uh, you guys took the path river west to get to, uh, well, you never arrived at Castle Everstan, but that's where the uh, the Golden Dawn Rose was heading before you guys uh, parlayed with Arasni. Thalias would know that Hammer Rock uh, is a pretty, or it was, a moderately sized uh, fortress, uh, like military barracks. Uh, whose job was to secure the Path River for, uh, like, trade vessels. Okay. Sounds pretty important. And according to uh, Valbar, Hammer Rock was a recent target of the Radiant Fire. Are you telling me that Hammer Rock has suffered the same fate as Vigil? It would appear so. I don't remember much of my final moments, but that is where I was before awaking in the boneyard. And what condition was the boneyard in when you awoke there? It was chaotic. 
Waiting for our genus to start name dropping. Oh, uh, our genus is still like kind of uh, absorbing all the information. Uh, equally, he hasn't let go of the fact that like Phrasma Four. <laughs> uh, Someone name dropped us. I, yeah. <laughs> the dawn of a it's new era. Our Jesus is going to start telling people, yeah, I know the Phrasma 4. <laughs> we are them. <laughs> yeah, uh, although I will say, like, that is definitely within. <sighs> uh, yeah, real, real quick, uh, you, you mentioned the, the, the boneyard. <laughs> um, did, did you happen to meet Umble and Thoot? They sent us. Uh, Umble and Thoot. No, I'm sorry, those names do not ring a bell. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, that's, that's fine, I guess. Uh, uh do you, uh, happen to know, I, I know you just said, uh, the graveyard is, uh, chaotic right now. Uh, do you, do you know... Any sort of statuses on psychopomps or uh, anything in that world? The only information I have to give is that there were fiends and psychopomps and angels of all sorts and shades battling one another for the souls of the fallen. It's worse than than we realized. Valmar, how how did you return to the material plane? Well, I was... Mostly trying to preserve my own life now that I was given a second chance at it. And eventually in my wanderings, I was approached by a Winter White. It wasn't named Galdeus by chance, was it? I did not catch a name. I'm not entirely sure what happened, but he put me to sleep using some effect or other, and when I awoke, I was in the jungles surrounding Yolispan. Anybody who wants you can give me a knowledge religion check for a winter white. I believe Uhtred's dealt with a winter white before. Uh, yes. Um, I know everybody's rolled for a winter white before, whether or not you knew it, but I don't think anybody succeeded at the time, but... Maybe not. I'm imagining every... I'm imagining everybody's at least put one rank of knowledge religion uh, into that uh, since then. Yeah, I think we've leveled up at least twice since then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so what do we got? 21. 34. And Uchid got a 30. That's a 23 with a natural 20. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, 23 still not enough to identify Winter White, but Valbar and Uhtred... Uh, both know about Winter Whites. Uh, Winter White is an undead horror born from the coldest depths of the negative energy plane, infused with the dark, cold magic that permeates this realm of death. The Winter White takes the form of a skeleton coated in armor of jagged ice. Uhtred can ask one question about a Winter White, and Valbar can ask two. Uh, is it a template? Nope, it is a straight-up creature. Well, I always like to know what kind of DR something has. Uh, Winter Whites have DR 15 that can be overcome by bludgeoning weapons that are also good aligned. Alright, and I would like to know uh, energy defenses. Just the list of energy types, not, yeah. Energy defenses, uh, 
You know that it has cold, as in energy defense. Okay. And spell resistance. It does have spell resistance. Um, was this something I had you guys guess, or did I just tell you? Feels like a guess. Have I just been telling you spell resistance? Yeah. Uh, you had us. No, you, you did have me guess for. I think it was Umbarno, or maybe the 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 Sekiel that we just fought. I think I might have had you guess for the Sekiel. All right, you want to guess the spell resistance? Yeah. Uh, thirty-two. Lower. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, uh, you, Utrid, and Valbar both know a couple things about Winter Whites, uh, but yeah, otherwise you can proceed from there. Well, Valbar, I think I only have one more question. Can you see these old balls in our hearts? I see nothing, though Mirena seemed quite interested in them. She was reluctant to let me leave without a thorough examination. Uh, did you hop on the table too? <laughs> I did not. Oh, 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 she's in for a true tree when you get back. Well, as odd as this is a place to meet, we are not done here, so I guess if you're here, let's get moving. As you say. Um, what are we doing about the body? Are we just leaving it no, here? No, we're it. For... No, okay. That we placing inside like a... Look, Teoblith might have been a douche, but <laughs> he fucking provided a lot of good for us. No, 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 no. But what I'm asking is, like, how are we bringing him along with us? All right. As much as I just said, like, of course we're going to bring it because like, we're going to bury him and shit. <laughs> time being, let's just throw him in a fucking bag of holding. <laughs> Okay. In the I'm most respectful way, you can cram a dead body <laughs> into a bag of holding. Yeah, let's cram him in this body. Respectfully. <laughs> obviously. Listen, Tiablith was a pragmatic guy. I think he would understand. Yeah. I think he would probably he respect the any one of our bodies halfway in the thing already. I also think he said something along the lines of just throw me wherever. Like, didn't he? It's like dying words where, look, I don't care what you do with me. Just get those notes to the right person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can turn him into ashes if we want to do that. I mean, he kind of already got burnt up, right? <laughs> yeah, he did take a couple of fireballs after dying. Yeah, he was a yeah. little crispy. I, I think Uchi would be more inclined to bury him than cremate him. Especially in a land where, like, they're clearly big on, like, nature and it's intertwined, like... Especially when you got a professional gravedigger with you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Whatever we do with the body, be sure it's the Elias who will be handling it. <laughs> Alright, uh, before we start uh, heading out, uh, Valbar is going to implant some tricks. So first things first, you're going to fuck with us? Or you're doing <laughs> this to yourself. How does this work? I think we have to be willing if he does it to us. Yeah. Maybe. But this might be a good time to go over what Valbar is. Ah, good yes. point. So, for the audience, Valbar is a mesmerist. Uh, specifically, he is a mesmerist with the Spirit Walker archetype. Uh, what Spirit Walker does is I trade off a couple of a couple of abilities that kind of make it make me a better liar in order to uh, affect 
undead enemies with my hypnotic stare. Oh, that's cool. That's tight. Undead, which are normally immune to mind-affecting effects, uh, are going to suffer those same penalties that I was imposing on you guys with my stare. Um, is that only with your hypnotic stare? Sp- is that only with your hypnotic stare, or would that also apply to any mind-affecting spells? I believe it is only with the uh, the stare. Uh, undead Inception is what it's called. At first level, I can affect undead creatures with his hypnotic stare as the psychic Inception bolt stare ability. At third level, it gets easier. At fifth level, it gets even easier. Yeah, it's only the hypnotic stare. See, so, yeah, all of my spells and stuff are still not effective against the undead. Well, you're mind affecting spells. Right. But again, the stare alone, it allows me to use, you know, the painful stare, which is a lot of damage at this level, and all those penalties, which is very nice. But um, one of the things that a mesmerist gets at this level is something called manifold tricks, which means I can implant three different tricks at the same time. And one of the feats that I took is called ready for battle. So anyone that has one of my tricks implanted in them gets a plus two bonus on their initiative checks. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I also have some stuff I can, uh, like, command undead and some other fun tricks that I'll wait to uh, to bring out when they happen. The Undead Inception ability lets you affect undead with mind-affecting spells. I knew it. The Psychic Inception ability... I think lets you target mindless creatures with spells while you're st- uh, while they're the target of your stare, but they have a 50% chance of ignoring the effects. Um, but with this archetype, by third level, they only have a 25% chance of ignoring the effects. And by fifth level, they have no chance of ignoring the effects, and you don't need to be they don't need to be the target of your stare. Which is oh yep there it is at fifth level when the spirit walker uses dumb. mind affecting spells they affect all undead normally with no chance of failure yeah <laughs> overcome one of the best strengths of the undead yep but yeah I've got I got a bunch of tricks and I can implant up to three of them at a time and whoever has them gets a plus two bonus on initiative rolls so for I mean if if you're willing recipients I will grant Utrid misdirection which uh, I mean I don't have to tell you which ones I'm doing but I want to Uh, (laughs) when Uhtred goes to make an attack I can feint the target and make it flat footed versus Uhtred's attack yes I will give Thalias astounding avoidance which is a one time use uh, evasion sweet and then for other guy Arginus uh, you can get Greater Mask Misery, which uh, allows you to ignore the cowering, nauseated, panicked, or stunned conditioned for, I think, a minute. Or oh, 1d4 rounds, sorry. Oh, that's so nice. Is it a free action to activate these or an immediate action? Uh, activating them is always a free action. So yeah, that is three tricks. And you each have those. And yeah. All right, tips and tricks for everybody. Yeah. Uh, what, what about heels for Arginus? And, yeah, that's kind of uh, <laughs> what I was going for next. Oh, those, those I can't really help you with. Yeah. 
I don't know anything about this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, I could. I got a bunch. Let's go. Gather round all. Oh, the other thing is, uh, Thalias, are you going to channel the champion or the Hierophant today? You uh, know he's going to channel the champion. I'm thinking I'm going to channel the Hierophant, but that would break my champion streak. And much like one of those um, daily, you know, mobile games, I want to keep that streak You got to get the chest every seven days. (laughs) Exactly. So (laughs) I think I'll channel the champion. Maybe tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Yep. So let's heal. I'll start with the most important, me, numero uno. 23, so that's 14. I'll heal myself one more, and then I'm done. Who's next? Um, Thalias, lol. Uh, Arginus, you're next. Yes, please. All right. This one will be for you. And just stop me when you're full. It's 26. That's 15. 15 healing. 15. Okay. Should I continue? Yeah. There's another one. Oh, geez. Uh, that one just fails. Did you that actually what? give me damage from that? That just fails? <laughs> Can I he use a luck thing or something? <laughs> can I can I turn that around somehow? No, you would have had you would have had to announce it before you rolled. Fuck. Well, that's stupid. I really need these. These are they can't be failing them. Okay, that one fails then. Oh god damn, I suck. All right, so you heal another fifteen and sixteen, and all of these are horrible rolls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you still need healing, Arginus? I've got more, obviously. Let's heal you to full. Just make sure I don't waste any, you know. Yeah, I did. He needs one more. Yeah. Another 16. I can live with that. And Uhtred? No, I'm full. Oh. Yeah. Our genus was almost unconscious. (laughs) (laughs) He he could have my own resting for the night. Yeah, meekly asking some heals, sir. Please. You got a little adrenaline rush hearing the Phrasma 4 name dropped, but then he's like, oh shit, I'm actually almost dead. <laughs> did you include your 14 from overnight, Tom? Yeah, you yeah. did. Okay. Alright, so what are we doing now? I gotta find these goddamn goggles. Yep. And she mentions something about notes? I don't really remember any mention of notes. She mentioned notes. Alright, she mentioned notes. She said her notes would probably be in the library and her goggles, last she saw, were on her desk in her office. Mm-hmm. But we, she didn't say where her office was or the library, right? Correct. All right, I think what we should do is go back up a level to the mainframe room, turn off the alarm and get access to the mainframe and see if that could help us locate... Her office and library. What about all the rooms down here that we haven't looked at, like the corridors and whatever? Also, the alarm is not going off anymore. Um, I mean, I guess we could look around here. I'm not really sure. I mean, this place was kind of hard to get into, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, all right. That's fair. We already took out, presumably, the mini-boss and boss, so if we run into shit, it probably is going to be lackeys. What about, can we start this way? Sure. We can start whatever way you want to be first in line. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious if this hallway, it looks like there's a another one coming out to the right. I would assume it's a mirror of the right, but left is it? side. Because we don't have this part of the map for some reason. Oh, we never uh, 
saw it. Well, the Fog of War yeah. hasn't been removed. So, yeah. um, uh, really, if, if we're going to be wandering through, um, Velbar will activate Sea Invisibility and Heightened Awareness. All right. Uchid will activate another charge of his green sight from oh, his that's smart. teal mask. Oh, okay. Um, Velbar used like a regular invisibility too. So he can see invisibility and he just disappears. Alright. You know, if that doesn't seem terrible, Uchid will go invisible with his ring. Alright. <laughs> so you guys, uh, you are in the eastern hallway that goes from southeast to northwest. Uh, it's the first hallway that you guys took after your first skirmish with, uh, Paldernane. Going all the way northwest, you see this, like, huge, like, outcropping of vines and other plant growth that just seems to have, like, burst from, like, within the walls, and it's just, like, completely overgrown. Uh, Uhtred, with your green sight, you can see right through it, and you can see the far wall, and you see, like, that northern point that the two eastern, the eastern and western hallways, they just kind of meet before... Uh, dog legging back down to the south, but the that stretch of hallway looks otherwise impassable without some magical assistance, or it would look like quite a lot of backbreaking work to clear the plants out. Uh, but there is a hallway to uh, the right, right before those plants. I peek down it, and it's just a five foot long hallway before it ends in a closed door. I point at it with my open hand, and I say, oh. There you go. Found the office. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Open the door. <laughs> you you sense a moment of cowardice, and then Thalias steps up and opens the door. Or tries to, at least. And we'll see you next week. Oh, On the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.